0: Procrastinating, a term most often used by the millennial generation, is a method of putting something off, delaying, or postponing something by taking part in the act of baking.
1: baking a place to talk about our baking obsessions and avoid doing everything else coming to you from southern california i'm louisa
0: and from eastern north carolina i'm rachel
1: happy thanksgiving rachel happy
0: thanksgiving
1: this is a special thanksgiving sode celebrating family cookbooks and the blessing of literacy this episode is in partnership with literacy connections of wayne county and rachel why don't you tell us a little bit more about them
0: so i Love this organization. I worked with them when I worked at another job that I had when I worked um, with nonprofits. But Literacy Connections focuses on building literacy by matching adult students with responsible tutors. Louisa and I both love to read and love reading and cooking from cookbooks. And speaking of cookbooks, if you are within driving distance of Literacy Connection, we want to recommend that you check out their current cookbook display celebrating Thanksgiving and the memory of Miss Julie, whose family has donated her cookbooks to Literacy Connection with the hope that someone else will pick them up, use them, and love them like she did. Um, The display opens November 21st.
1: Okay, so it's time for a mini pop quiz as part of our mini episode. Um, (laughs) And our mini pop quiz for the mini episode is about Thanksgiving. And what dish, this is a question for you, Rachel. What dish is quintessentially Thanksgiving to your family?
0: So I'm going to go with like the family I grew up with and not with my husband. My husband's a stuffing person like me, but he likes stovetop like in the box. Um, but I learned the hard way that you do not take green bean casserole away from my sister. <laughs> Ooh. I made the mistake. I think it was the first time I hosted Thanksgiving because I don't like green beans in a can. So I made a green bean casserole with fresh green beans and fresh mushrooms (laughs) and (laughs) everything. I didn't even like it because I I mean like I like fresh green beans but just like a little bit of them. So it was a disaster and I am no longer allowed to make the green bean casserole.
1: Yeah because isn't green bean casserole like you need the canned mushroom soup and all that. Listen no one's trying to be healthy and fresh on Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's canned everything. That's what makes it feel like a real holiday
0: (laughs) (laughs) holidays come in cans
1: (laughs) right (laughs) oh I love that
0: so what about you guys
1: um I kind of hinted at this during our last minisode but our and I think it's it's true a lot of families don't really put a lot of emphasis on the turkey which is ironic right but in our family the turkey is the star and the stuffing is like a close runner-up but My dad is like the, the turkey guy. He like takes two to three days to marinate the thing and no one's allowed in the kitchen while he's doing (laughs) his stuff because he doesn't want anybody to accidentally add something or knock something over that he needs. Um, And so that is like his little project and it always turns out so good. So, and every time we have friends over to join our family's Thanksgiving, they always mention how much they love his turkey. So Um, I know for a lot of people, like some people I know do, will do like chicken or ham in place of Turkey or just like, we'll Mm. have the Turkey, but don't care too much about it. But for us, it's, it's very important.
0: (laughs) Very much a Turkey day at your house.
1: Oh, very much. Yeah. Um, okay. So another question, (laughs) how many, I don't even know if I can guess Rachel, how many cookbooks do you think you have?
0: So I have not counted. I am going to count now, though, um, and report back. Um, (laughs) I think
1: 65. Oh, my gosh, Rachel. That's a lot. It is a lot, right? Yeah. I only have like eight or 10. I don't have many. I don't think I really started until the past few years collecting. Before, I just had like a little, almost like a scrapbook version of everybody's recipes that i inherited from family and and like a random binder Um, I have one of
0: those too I didn't count that one so maybe 66
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that one definitely counts um okay where do you keep all these
0: um I have a bookshelf we have two bookshelves in our office one is for books that are for reading and then the other one is mostly cookbooks and magazines and a few um of Mike's history books have made it over there but most of its cookbooks
1: okay and do you have like a top three like your top three cookbooks
0: oh um is this ones that I like or ones that I use (laughs) (laughs)
1: like let's say Mike showed up and said Rachel these books have to go you can keep three of them which three are you keeping okay
0: um i'm keeping i have a book called vittles which is um and last time i kind of talked about having a sense of story it takes you around north carolina to kind of the iconic foods um i like that one i really like the pork chop recipe in there i have so many baking cookbooks oh this is hard
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're like picturing having to physically give these books away and it probably hurts
0: (laughs) it's sad, too, though, because I've just now noticed there's quite a few that I haven't baked from or cooked from yet. There's a book I like. It's called Bread and Wine, and it's mostly probably memoir with recipes throughout, like every chapter or whatever has a recipe at the end. But I really like it. It's about um, it's bread and wine, the allusion to um, communion. And it's ah. a book about like, hospitality. So I'd probably keep that. I really like that one. And then I'd have to pick a baking book. Um, I'm going to go with, just off the bat, I probably changed my mind a hundred times before they went out the door, but I like Dory's Cookies by Dory Greenspan.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel like you've done a lot from Dory's Dory's books. That makes sense. Wow, I feel like that was like a personality quiz asking you to narrow down (laughs) into your favorite three. I like that. Right?
0: That was hard, yeah. Yeah. But now I'm inspired to go look through the ones I haven't cooked through and see if I need to keep them or not.
1: This could be like your <laughs> um your like Julie and Julia. Do you remember that book that yes. was in? um that could be like your version like cooking out of all the ones you haven't cooked from and then blogging <laughs> about each one. keep them or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'll have to come up with a clever title for that. But yeah, that would be a fun project. Okay. So just like last time we have browsed through Miss Julie's cookbooks and chosen recipes to try. So let us hear about yours.
1: Okay. So my second recipe came from the same book that we discussed in our first mini-sode, which now it's a very long title and now I can't remember. Oh, what I deleted it? It.
0: <laughs> it was.
1: Do you still have it or do you need me to say it? Um... No, I thought I had it pulled up on my Google, but I don't. What is it? It is Grandma
0: Rose's book of simply delicious cakes, cookies, pies, cheesecakes, cake rolls, and pastries.
1: There it is. <laughs> Circa 1975. Um, and I talked about in the last minisode how I loved finding Miss Julie's little notes in the cookbooks. And so this recipe had some notes in it too, which I thought was really cute. And so I decided to make um, – a pastry that was titled Apple Slices. And it's essentially mm. just um, like an apple tart. You know, you're making like a, a very buttery dough and that is making your base. And on top of that, it called for some breadcrumbs, um, a bunch of sliced green apples that were peeled and chopped, some sugar, some cinnamon, and it had me grate an orange. And so it had, it had that in there too. Let me say that was like the highlight of everything, the way that the orange flavor like complemented everything else. I was a little hesitant at first because I haven't really, when I'm grating something, it's usually lemon, but I thought the grated orange was such a nice addition. Um, And then once you're doing that, you're putting another layer of dough on top you do an egg wash and some sugar and then you just throw it in the oven for like half an hour it was so good it was super easy um this one I could see myself making again for like a party it makes a lot of servings um I had like a slice of it with a cup of coffee this afternoon and it was like fall heaven um and I wanted to mention Miss Julie's note, which I actually didn't do, but I think it could be fun to try. She, at the bottom, they list um, ingredients for a frosting that you can make to put on top of the uh, the apple tart. I just don't think it, it needs it. It's very sweet and the flavor is good without it. But if you wanted to add um, frosting, she noted that She would use heavy whipping cream and confectioner's sugar, and then she would have fun with different extracts. So she mentioned like sometimes she'd use vanilla or almond, cherry, orange. She lists like a bunch of different ones that she had tried. And then a little note underneath that, it said delicious and not too sweet, which I think is cute because a running joke is that my mom will always use that phrase to tell me, um. Yeah, what she thinks about my baked goods she says the same things like it's good and it's not too sweet so I thought that was really cute that's what Miss Julie said here and I agree it wasn't too sweet it wasn't overwhelming um it's like a perfect after dinner treat so this one I was really happy with
0: um was this like a pie dough or like a cinnamon roll type dough
1: it was like a pie dough um But what was interesting, it was so buttery. I mean, it had a whole cup of butter, so I guess, of course, but it also had um, sour cream in it, which I think added a special something. So when I was like rolling out the dough and kind of like tasting it here and there, I was like, I could like, this would be a great recipe to keep for just other tarts. Um, It was really flavorful and buttery and flaky. So I could, I could keep just the dough recipe and reuse it for other things. Winner, winner. Yes, this one was good. Very good. Okay, so let's hear about your round two. So I went with
0: a different book. I chose The Complete Book of Pastry, Sweet and Savory by Bernard Clayton, Jr., author of The Complete Book of Bread.
1: Ooh, he likes things to be complete.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And um, there was a note in here um, that he wrote, I think, two books on bread. And they were translated into French and Spanish. And someone said, well, if you can do that, why can't you do it for pastries? (laughs) So (laughs) he attempted it. And he dedicated this book to his wife, which I thought was really sweet. But it was because she tasted all of the pastries in the book. First, where they were originally made, you know, San Francisco, Budapest, Brussels. And then again in his kitchen. And she swore she never gained a pound. And he believes her. (laughs)
1: So I thought that was cute. That is cute.
0: And I thought it was cute. Um, Miss Julie had a note in here that she got this book in 1990 and it was 54 degrees outside. And this book was published in 81. So it was an older book when she got it. Okay. Um, And I put marked quite a few in here, um, but I had to pick something that I had time to make. (laughs) Because (laughs) a can be time consuming.
1: It can, Um, yeah.
0: So, and, you know, thinking of, thanksgiving and the holidays i found a recipe for it calls it a large danish twist um but it later kind of describes it as a holiday wreath and there's a picture of it that kind of looks like a wreath so i made this um it's one of these books where it gives you like the ingredient list is like half a recipe of this half a recipe of that and you have to go through the different pages of the book to find oh goodness yeah those are difficult so i made danish dough which was similar, um, to the Sarah keeper Danish bread dough that I made, um, a couple of times down. And this one seemed like it had more turns to it. Um, but I like it. I think, I think I fell in love again with Danish dough. Like I really like it when I make Sarah keeper stuff, but this is like, it's not as difficult as puff pastry and puff pastry sometimes is like brittle (laughs) when it flakes. I don't like it. Yeah. And this, Flakes, but is, it doesn't seem to get that crunchy part to it. So I like that. Okay. And this gave me filling options. I could choose poppy seed, cheese, prune, or frame Japan. And I chose the cheese filling, which was a cream. It's almost like making cream cheese frosting. But I poured in melted butter and an egg. And I um, grated orange, like you did, and a vanilla. And rolled this dough out until a really long, narrow. I think it ended up being like four inches wide and 20 more than two feet long. Oh, wow. And spread the cream cheese filling in it and then folded, folded it so that it was from four inches to two inches. And then it had you slit it. And I was so confused. I was like, okay. (laughs) But thankfully there was a picture. There's like a little drawing and you make, you basically put your yardstick. I didn't have a yardstick, but if you have a yardstick, (laughs) you put your yardstick down (laughs) on the pastry and on one side of the yardstick, you draw a line. On the other side of the yardstick, you draw a line. Okay. And then you pick it up and twist it, which was extremely difficult. Like holding this two foot long pastry, one end in each hand and trying to twist it without the middle breaking. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. So like I twisted the ends really well. And I tried to twist the middle with it laying on the counter, but it didn't quite give a nice effect.
1: <laughs> yeah. That sounds really difficult.
0: And oh, this dough had... um. I think it had zest in the dough and then it also had cardamom in the dough.
1: Ooh, you know, we love yeah. cardamom.
0: And then finally I baked it. Um, well, before I baked it, I egg washed it, covered it in almonds and then I baked it. I burned it. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point I hadn't realized I burned it. So I still covered it in apricot glaze, which was apricot jam heated up and mixed with brandy and then covered it in standing sugar, not standing sugar, um, pearl sugar. And then I let it cool. And then I discovered it was burnt. I thought it was just really dark from the egg wash. And then I I flipped it over and the bottom was black too. I was like, "Mm, nope. (laughs)
1: That's such a bummer. It sounds, I saw pictures. It looks really pretty.
0: Yeah, it has a lot of potential. I just don't know. It had me bake it for 30 minutes at 375 after it already baked 15 minutes at 425. I think it was just too hot for, I mean, obviously it's too hot for too long if it burns, but Yeah. Um, Something needs to, I don't know. Hmm. I want to make this one again, but I don't know if I can save it. I don't know how long to cook it for.
1: Well, what if you swapped the bake time and did the first, what is it? 15 minutes at the 375 and not the four, what is it? 415, 425?
0: 425. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm cooking it longer at the hotter temperature. What if I just cook it all at 375?
1: There you go. Yeah. I just want to take out the, I don't think it needs to go. Like that high heat, right? No, I don't think I've ever had a pastry that has been in for that high of a heat. Unless it's like, you know, for like, sometimes for pies, you'll do it for just a little bit at the end to get the browning effect. But I think you could just not go higher than 375 and just keep an eye on it. And the inside is... It's not like you have to worry about it. What am I trying to say? You're not wanting to like cook that part through, like
0: right, right, cream
1: cheese. So yeah,
0: like it's in bacon or something again.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I think it might be worth trying again. I don't. I mean, I know it's a lot of work.
0: Well, but... I have half the dough still because it the twist only used half of the dough, so I still have half the dough in the freezer. So okay. I'd be starting ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. It would just be yeah, tweaking the, the temperature.
0: Maybe I will YouTube some videos on how to twist a two-foot long pastry.
1: Yes. YouTube is your friend. That's how I learned everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the one thing I didn't like, and it doesn't really show it in the picture, is you know, when you make the circle and connect them, you just it just says join them together and then flip it over to hide the seam. And I'm like, but there's like this chunk, there's like this two inch to three inch chunk of not twisted. <laughs> So I don't know, maybe they should be like overlapping. So they kind of look like ribbon tails or something. I don't know. It just huh. looked odd in, in that one spot.
1: You know what? This might be uh not likely, but maybe you could find someone making that recipe on YouTube, like specifically oh, that recipe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know there's a ton of recipes I in the book, but.
0: Maybe just like a pastry wreath and watch how they,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. how they do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good idea. I'll try that. Thank you for celebrating a love of cookbooks thanksgiving literacy and the memory of miss julie with us don't forget to visit literacy connections of wayne county's thanksgiving cookbook display starting november 21st y'all i've seen some sneak peeks of this it's gonna be really cool you're gonna want to go and if you're there on the 21st, you'll get to sample some of the recipes we tried. If you're too far to drive, please visit literacyconnectionsofwaynecounty.org to learn more.
1: Tune in next week for a regular batch of ProcrastiBaking. Until next time, stay, stay sweet. sweet. This has been ProcrastiBaking. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a good review. You can also subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. You can also subscribe to our RSS feed directly from our website at ProcrastiBakingPodcast.com. Also, feel free to follow us and give us your feedback on social media, on Instagram at at ProcrastiBakingPodcast and Facebook at Facebook.com slash ProcrastiBakingPodcast. ProcrastiBaking is hosted and created by Rachel Rhodes and Luisa Gonzalez, produced and edited by Raul Ceballos, theme music by Alex Walker-Smith, and show artwork by Rob Demers.